Welcome to episode one of the Brand Social Podcast. Today we're talking with Jack from Modern Streets Apparel up in Wigan. Enjoy the show. How's it going? How's it going? You guys okay? Yeah, not bad. Thank you, mate. Sorry we're a little bit late. Um, Ruben was fancy oh, yeah. about doing his hair. No worries. <laughs> Needs yeah, most. Mate. Yeah, I've got none, so that's my excuse. I see. Problem solved. <laughs> Problem cool. solved. How's things? How was your Sunday? Yeah, not too bad. I'm just trying to keep the house as cool as possible because it's a it's a rare occasion that the northwest is actually pretty yeah. warm, but it's uh it's pretty warm today. And I've I've been out to um a place called Formby Beach, which is not too far from Southport, and done like an engagement shoot for one of my wedding couples and usually every time I go that way it's like it's freezing cold by the sea anyway um and today was the one day where I was actually in a t-shirt and I was like oh it's actually nice because I've never had that before every time I ever head that way so yeah it's a refreshing change really so yeah good day what's the temperature like up there is that, I think it's uh, 28 here, I think it is. Oh, no. So I think we're probably around like 20, 21. But for us, that's good. Like anything over 15 and people are wearing shorts and T-shirts. So yeah, yeah. I'm from Yorkshire, so I'm, I'm used to uh, yeah. the, uh, the cooler climates. It's a bit cooler. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Um, have you and Ruben spoken before, by the way? don't know if you guys have. Kind of no, I, I obviously saw you on the Doom and Gloom podcast uh, last yeah. week. So I think that yeah. was my first interaction with him. And obviously, I think sort of somewhat putting faces to both your names was uh, thanks to the Doom and Gloom yeah. podcast. Yeah. So, yeah, saw you both. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, we jump straight in then. Um, and- Let's go for it. Yeah, so I mean, before we kind of go into questions and that, do you want to just kind of tell us who you are and what your brand is? Uh, yeah, so I'm Jack and I run Modern Streets, um, although occasionally I may address it as we. It's very much a, a me project. Um, I do rope anyone in from time to time who's willing to help um, during busier times and just during little things like when we've moved and things like that. We've I've sort of called upon family members to help out. They've been there like folding boxes before and stamping boxes with a logo and bags with a logo. And yeah, we're needed. Um, my brother sometimes helps out. So even though it is sort of my project and, and my burden, so to speak, um, I yeah. do occasionally sort of rope family members in when when needed. So I'm trying to keep it as a bit of, bit of a family thing as well. Nice. Is that right, folks? Come on um on uh, I saw on your website it says you're a family-run business and that is that kind of just where that comes from then yeah pretty much pretty much so like you know they, they all look in when possible they're all interested in how it goes they do ask how it's going in things and you know more often than not if I ever need anyone like normally when I'm if I leave my parents the question straight away is oh you know if you need any help packing anything uh, folding anything you know let us know so it's nice if you take a sort of um a sort of forward step with it to try and help out but uh a lot of the time you know it's just i just crack on and, and get done what needs to be done so fair enough. fair enough so right in saying modern streets isn't your full-time job or kind of no 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 i mean I, don't get me wrong I'd, I'd love it to be um but with my i'm, I'm a full-time i'm full-time self-employed um but I, so i run my own wedding photography business um but so obviously that gives me 
freedom, so to speak, because I'm not bound to like a nine to five. Um, so, I, so I can start pick and choose when I'm working and how I'm working, which has obviously given me a lot of advantages, I guess, in terms of pushing the brand the way I want to, um, because it does give me a bit of freedom, um, especially during sort of like COVID and lockdown things, when obviously a lot of people had a lot more time as well. I was able to sort of use my energy to sort of try and push it some more, uh, really. But um, yeah, it's not a full-time thing yet, but I am trying to trying to build it. But obviously with weddings sort of being committed like 18 months in, a, in advance, you know, yeah. I'm, I'm booking like 2024 weddings. So wow. it's hard to sort of just be, if it was a regular job, I could, you know, turn around if things were going well enough to say, oh, I'm, here's my notice, I'm leaving. But obviously with this being my own business already and people booking weddings typically, you know, 18 months, 12 to 24 months in advance, I've kind of got to commit to those really. Um, the only thing I am doing is I'm, I'm not taking on as much as I used to. So I used to shoot 50 weddings a year was my normal years, you know, just constantly shooting 50 weddings every year. Yeah. Um, and I've dialed that back next year to about 31. So it's a little bit less. So that's my intention is to, and the same with 2024, um, I'm having a big sort of, not break, but I'm not doing like I would normally do like a lot of wedding shows and things like that to to sort of promote myself um, and get and get weddings that way. Uh, but looking at what I can get organically, that was great when I wanted fifty weddings a year. But now I only want less. Yeah. I'm just going to focus on the organic and word of mouth. So social media, you know, just posting regular on social media and just recommendations from people who see me at weddings and things like that. So and just feel what I can that way and if it's you know it's not as many it's not as many and that's not a bad thing because I'm trying to now yeah build the brand more if I can awesome that's wicked um yeah so you you're also in a band as well aren't you yes I spin a lot of plates <laughs> <laughs> very busy man very busy man so saw the other day modern streets turned two is that right what was that sorry Modern Streets turned two the other day, am I right? Yeah, yeah. So the 1st of July, um, I mean, in terms of time into how the brand started, I guess, is I kind of toyed around with the idea of doing a clothing brand at the end of 2019 um, because there was this whole MySpace revival of like 2019 and people were joking, using that phrase and, and sort of like doing MySpace things. And I was like, oh, that would be a cool brand name, you know, and just do those old MySpace sort of type like old band merch type of things yeah. um and I was kind of like that's a cool idea and I had a little play around with it and then realized that I couldn't really draw I couldn't really draw um and this was prior to finding like the illustrators and things I know now I couldn't really draw so I was kind of like very quickly nipped it in the bud because I was like no can't do that but then I'd sort of I'd sort of started a very small fire and I was kind of like oh what can I do with this yeah. So I looked at what I did do and I was like, well, I take photos for a living. And as a hobby, I did do street photography. I'd go into Manchester, Liverpool, Blackpool, anywhere with some friends. And we'd shoot, we'd shoot street photography. And whenever I went on holiday, I did the same. I'd, I'd sort of shoot, you know, just people in the streets, architecture, whatever sort of caught my fancy, really. Um, so then my initial concept for Modern Streets, which started February 2020, um, and only lasted like a few months was to basically have my street photography photos on the front of t-shirts okay. and on the back I still have that slogan t-shirt now where on the back it says these streets are ours mm -hmm. that was on the back of them 
Oh. And on the front, there was like a street photography image with this little thin black line through it that then just said modern streets. And that was kind of the, the initial concept. But looking at it, it was very hard to sort of put together like a, an ideal client for it without coming back to it probably appe appeals to photographers. But what photographer wants to wear my artwork when they're probably going to want to take their own and potentially wear that instead? So I was doing like, um, I'd, I'd purchased and I'd been watching some videos online. I I'd, I'd bought this guy's marketing masterclass about building a brand. I don't know if you've seen the YouTube channel, Apparel Success. There's a guy from Canada who runs a brand um, over there in Canada, but also runs this YouTube channel. And he did this course and it was just basically about like niching down and, and finding what you're passionate about and what your brand should sort of really be about if you're going to try and do it. And I just realized that mine was just almost like too niche to people that wouldn't really want to wear it. I, I sold some stuff to friends and I was doing print on demand. So I didn't have to handle anything, um, but it just didn't really have the legs. So I kind of ran it for literally a couple of months, closed it down and went back to the drawing board. And I kind of wanted to keep the name. I'd already... <laughs> bought the domains and sorted like stuff out. Um, so I was like, I, I kind of I don't like the name. I don't know why. I sometimes hate it, but sometimes I love it. And I was kind of like, oh, I want to keep that, but I want to go in a different direction. So I just basically just started looking at stuff I liked. And I was, I've always, like I said, been in bands since I was younger, I'd always been involved with the merch side of things and bits and pieces. So I was like, let's just approach it like it's band merch, effectively. Let's just approach it the same way. And I jumped onto Fiverr to start with, and I just paid someone to do me some kind of cool designs that were quite summary. And that was kind of it. That's kind of what I was like, right, let's just relaunch. We'll relaunch on 1st of July, 2020. And that was kind of it. Um, but it was more inspired by the stuff that I was into. It was more like punk rock culture because I've always played in pop punk bands and gone to punk rock shows and that type of stuff. And I, because it's something I was then could relate to I didn't feel like I was cheating anyone so like I've never tried to do like a tattoo inspired brand because I, I I don't get me wrong I'm full of tattoos but I'm not a tattoo artist I don't really draw myself and I don't know enough about like the tattoo tradition side of things to sort of throw myself into that niche um, because it's not something I could then say I could relate to um, and I just felt like going down the idea of being inspired by punk rock culture is something that still relates to me. I still listen to these bands from 10, 15 years ago um, yeah. and all that sort of stuff. So it, it's more just directed towards that really is, is the take on it. So, yeah. So even though it's turned two, there was some sort of playing around, I guess, and, and, and putting ideas out there just before it. So... So I guess it was, um, but by the way, Ribs, if you've got anything to say, <laughs> go ahead. Yeah, yeah, I'm just letting go. You're just spectating. So it was born in, kind of born in lockdown then? Yeah, I mean, yes and no. So as I mentioned then, the idea was toying around before. And I think because of lockdown and then, and then doing this little course, Mm -hmm. at the, probably just at the start of it, it made me realise that what I, the path that I was on was going to be a very, very, very hard sell. Yeah. Um, so lockdown just simply gave me the time to sort of put a lot more mm -hmm. time and effort into something which would have really been my peak season for wedding work. And yeah. because 18 months was just taken off the calendar, 
mm-hmm. because unlike other industries, the wedding industry didn't pick up until lockdown disappeared because no one wanted to get married with 15 people or even 30. You know, people were used to 60, 80, 120 guests. They're not going to suddenly chop it right down to 30 and not be able to dance and not be able to do this and not be able to do that. So having that 18 months extra really just, it was just giving me something to do. So I didn't go insane, to be honest. But I kind of have that characteristic where when I do something, I probably overdo it. And because of that, I just really went hard with it for those 18 months because I started off using print on demand. I transitioned from the first concept to the new relaunch sort of offering print on demands and I did two months of that before I then looked around the house at what I could sell mm-hmm. sold a bunch of my stuff bought a heat press bought the, the designs I needed and went down that route instead because I just missed that personal touch that I wasn't getting from sort of like the drop shipping approach um so then again I then was just in the room I mean now I just basically put a heat press and I put a little couple of drawers with some t-shirts in and I was just pressing them in here and that was kind of it, really. It just sort of started from that room because of the, the free time, really. Yeah, no, that's awesome. Though, because, I mean, the, I think one of the most rewarding things for, you know, for me is like running down customers. It's the customer interaction. And like, Rube, like me and you have talked about it plenty of times, like how, you know, a lot of the time, like, you know, like a positive, like trust pilot review or whatever. That yeah. a lot of the time means so much more to me than it does for, you know, one order that we're never going to hear from that person again. You know what I mean? It's kind of like yeah. we're grateful for every order we get, but kind of people taking the time out to go and you know write a review or whatever or tell their mates right. or something like that. It's like yeah. it like feels so much more rewarding. Yeah. But um, yeah. You got anything to add on that, Ruth? I've lost my train of thought. Then I was just trying to get. I was just trying to get a word in edgeways. I was like, Shh, I need to try and remember that. <laughs> no, I'm, I've, I've gone blank, mate. We'll carry on. <laughs> so, um, is there any? Yeah, kind of particular reason you decided to go down like the transfer DTF route but do, do you do Supercolor by the way or is it yeah so I sort of use Supercolor I think it was a toss up between those and I think Target Transfers they do something similar as well um, but I think it was just again I think just sort of hopscotching from one video to the next and sort of watch one video on YouTube and then jump to another one and then jump to another one as I was just trying to take in as much business advice as I could um through the internet like people do these days and I think I just stumbled across it I stumbled across it like I said about um, two months in or so into sort of relaunching and I was like oh this looks like an interesting concept like could this be a way of getting stuff done um and I and I sent some messages out to get some quotes for like screen printing and things like that and and I think because I initially went down the route of sort of like print on demand I just instantly was like, oh, I don't want to launch with just a designer too. I want to go out with a good number so it looks like it has a bit more, I don't know, credentials because the shop looks fuller, um, even though I had none at all. <laughs> it just kind of looked like it had a bit more weight to it. But because of obviously direct-to-garment printing, you're not really limited in terms of like colours and bits and pieces. So I was just going all out with these like lavish, over the top, too many color designs. And as soon as I then started saying to myself, I want to go down the route of printing this stuff myself, uh, maybe buying stuff in to kind of get the the margins better. 
Yeah. I then quickly realised that the curse of going down that over-the-top route, getting the quotes for screen printing was just ridiculous. Okay. Like, it was crazy. I'm talking, like, twelve to £1,600 for, like, 50 yeah. And then that was it. And some of them were like, mate, we can't even do 50 of those. You'd need to get 100. Like, you'd have to really invest because you've kind of gone all out. Um, but thankfully, at the same time, I was seeing these videos for Supercolor over in the States. Um, and then I noticed that one of the wholesalers had signed up to, they said they were partnering with them. I don't know how it, how it works. I think they just sort of offer their services through them as well. Um, and then I was like, oh, well, cool. They've got a UK base. Let's just see how that goes. Yeah. So yeah, I had to basically sell some stuff um, because of lockdown. I, again, I didn't know where money was coming from and I didn't want to risk it. So I just sold some extra stuff that I had to then buy a heat press and to buy some blanks and try and convince wholesalers that I was actually a reasonable business and stuff and, and to give me an account. And yeah, I just ordered a few in. I, just, I think I ordered like one or two designs in, pressed them, washed them, stretched the hell out of it all, to see if it would hold. And to be honest, I actually just really liked the vibrancy of it compared to the sort of direct-to-garment stuff I'd ordered and, and received. I just I just preferred how, how punchy it was. It kind of suited what the brand was kind of going for in terms of that vibrant um, sort of colouring and things like that. And yeah, I kind of just, I don't know, I guess it just gave me the option to, to fulfil it myself without buying stuff in, in bulk and I, I was there's no way in hell I was going to be screen printing in this bedroom <laughs> or anything like that so it kind of was this happy medium where I was still able to fulfill orders when they were coming through because I just had to grab the t-shirt size they wanted grab the design they wanted and so I just stick the two together so yeah. yeah I mean I suppose it's a lot um it's a lot of lower risk as well really isn't it yeah I mean, I remember when when we first started, I went down the opposite route to you. <laughs> it's like, I'm going to get three or four designs in, I'm going to outsource and get them screen printed, yeah. get 50 of each and everything, spent a stupid amount of money on it all, and then kind of stocked it at home in my spare room. And then it was kind of just like, I was like, the site looks really fucking empty. Yeah. And it was like yeah. four designs there, and it's like, shit, we've got to sell like a few stuff and get another design in and stuff like that. And it was kind of limited us a little bit i think in terms of kind of our growth and like our exposure and everything because yeah. we didn't really have you know we could get content that wasn't necessarily the problem but it was kind of like because we only had like those four products or five products whatever it was it's was kind of like we just kept having to recycle stuff and it just got a bit dull yeah um but yeah i mean um because we both print in house as well um we're both screen printers and like Rube, you're, I think you're obviously a bit earlier in your journey, aren't you? So it's um, you're from, from Jack's journey, uh, from Jack's journey. Say that again. For, uh, a bit earlier from Jack's journey. No, I mean just in terms of kind of like because I mean we're obviously printing a little bit more in bulk now. Well, not not bulk, but you know what I mean. I think you're uh, yeah, yeah, I know what you're saying. You're yeah. plastic yeah. based as well. You've got the ability to kind of put your screens to one side and then kind of set it back up again you know what i mean oh yeah yeah mate like it's like amazing printing with plastic so like a little like i can like if i'm finishing like late in the evening or something or printing i can literally just whip the screens out and leave them like you don't have to mess around with cleaning them all like straight away you know you can come back to it for a couple of days so yeah. yeah um kind of on that then where where, where do you come obviously we've touched on it a little bit 
with kind of like you dialing back the weddings and that a little bit but kind of where do you see the brand kind of going over the next like 12 months or so uh to be honest i've been at this crossroads with where to go with it in terms of like do i just try and keep pushing it as like an e-commerce brand and then occasionally doing like showcase events and pop-up events at say like tattoo conventions and comic cons and just anywhere you're able to or do i try and go down the route of not trying to be this like online powerhouse because some of those already exist they do um you know bad monday being the biggest example probably um in this country alongside things like doomsday and high dive and things you know they've all rode the wave of like facebook marketing and instagram marketing where a lot of us brands that are if you're newer to that side of things we've, we've missed that gold rush so to speak where yeah. you could just run some ads and retarget 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 and it would work um yeah. obviously the ios 14 thing did a, did a lot of shaking up for people and even yeah. though i'm still seeing profits running ads don't get me wrong it's not not what it was what i hear people say yeah. you know i suppose people who have said you know they're, they're getting the happy with a three now well, yeah. before they said if they'd seen a three in the back end, they'd have been like yelling down the phone to the agency they were working with because they were probably used to seeing sixes and sevens. Yeah. And, you know, if you've built a business around and scaled a business, especially, you know, where you're, you're paying staff and everything else to go from putting so much in and seeing six, seven returns to a three, maybe just above or even maybe just below. So, you know, that's, that's a lot of loss in terms of what you, what's coming in extra. Um, so it's kind of got me thinking, like, do I want to keep being at the mercy of Zuckerberg and the algorithms? Or do I try and look into some sort of small retail space? So I've been touching base um, with a place called Athletics Palace in Manchester, which is like just an alternative outlet over four floors. Um, it's a really cool place in the centre of Manchester. Um, it's been a real hive for like alternative people for a very long time, like a very, very long time. Um, I used to go there myself when I was like 15 and now I'm 35. So it's been, you know, it's still going and going strong. Um, and I love the idea of kind of going full circle and potentially having something there myself and saying, actually, I used to come here as a kid myself. And now I'm actually here myself with my own brand and, and, and sort of being part of that community. So yeah, that's kind of where I'm, that's, my heart is kind of more with wanting to go with that. Yeah. But obviously at the same time, I'm at the mercy of, can I get a space? And is the space suitable? Because I still want to fulfill my own stock. So I still want to make sure I've got space to be able to print it. And that's rather print it to put it on the shelves and have, a, you know, behind the counter and the till area, a small space where I can still then sort of fulfill the empty shelves myself by just replenishing the stock myself. The alternative option was to continue doing the sort of print on demand, but in person. And I had this concept of designing it so it looks like a bit more like a pizza takeaway. So okay. when people come in, you've got a few rails on the walls with one of each design yeah. um, and you have space for accessories and things. But then you just basically choose your design that you want. You've got the menu pricing above the counter, like a takeaway would have, with all your pricing and options on. Yeah. And like then you that. sort of order what you want in the size that you want. And you can have a hang around while it's printed, or we can take a number and sort of give you a text reach back. Um, I even My dad even suggested getting those little buzzers that they give you at restaurants, oh, yeah. buzzers when your table's ready. And it's like, come back when your table's ready. But obviously, you'd have to look into logistics of how that would work in the building. Um, and how far the reach is with those. But obviously, you know, in terms of 
just taking someone's number and saying, we'll give you a text when you when your order's ready. And then started printing them up there and then and still running small ads to kind of keep it a little bit more national, but not, you know, not going massively into it at all, just something to keep things ticking over. Um, but then focusing it, basically creating an experience for a shop as opposed to just a regular clothing store. Yeah. It becomes a bit more, you walk in, it's like, oh, have you seen this? Like we said about all the cupboards at the back, which would hold all the blanks, get them all vinyled up so they look like ovens and fridges and worktop counters and have those big metal industrial chopping tables in the middle for folding things on and, and really go to town with making the back end of it look like a kitchen with like the, the kitchen tiles and things like that. Um, and that would kind of be, yeah, the idea of, if we did a shop space, it would pretend to be one or the other of, I like the idea of doing that and doing it on, on that type of, you know, creating experience. And the extra perk of that as well is in terms of an ethical point of view, you're still doing it so that you're only printing it when there's a demand for it. Yeah, of course. And then when people ask you why you do that, you say, well, it minimizes clothing, clothing waste. We don't have rails and rails and rails of designs that don't sell because we all know how that goes. We all have put designs out thinking, I love this design and it doesn't sell. You know, we've all been there. We all see it. So, you know, to avoid that then, all I'm risking then is, yeah, I've got the designs sat there on this special sheet, but that's it. They're not on a garment. It's not on a shelf. Yep. It only exists when we need it to. So, yeah, that's kind of where I would like to go with it. Um, but realistically, I feel like it has to be in Aflex for it to work because high street shop prices will be insane this was the right type of clientele that walks through it every day. So, and, and again, it's kind of creating as, as horrible as it sounds, it's creating that sort of that viral experience where people can sort of post about it because it's an experience as opposed to it just being, oh, look, it's a clothing store. Yeah. And that's yeah. it. I really fucking love that concept. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, it's kind of a little bit of like Johnny Cupcakes in the States. I know he does his shops to make them look like bakeries and things, but Obviously, he has things pre-printed and it's in the in the cupboards and things like that. But we were saying, you know, it's that kind of idea of having something that's interactive. And I did the book, um, This Is Not A T-Shirt by Bobby Hundred, who runs The Hundreds. And they said themselves, every time they opened a shop, it had to be an experience. So sometimes it was like sci-fi themed and all sorts of stuff that gave people a reason to want to go in. Yeah. And I think that's that's kind of where it's like a club, a club of the two of, you know, it looks like a pizza takeaway, but it's also clothing and it's experience. So, yeah, that's where I'd like to go with it. If anything, that's because people are going to walk in by mistake and want to order pizza. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the thing. Yeah. And then you trap them and sell them a T-shirt. Yeah. But I, I'd love that where you get those, like, one-star reviews where someone's, like, didn't sell pizza. Everything. <laughs> and that's, like, you know, in itself becomes a viral thing, yeah, and, like, yeah. a meme in itself. So, yeah, I kind of, I just, yeah, I kind of like the idea of still doing the print on demand thing, because I, I do feel like it is a better way of doing it at times in terms of like wastage and things like that. I do feel like it's, it's a, it's a good route to go down, especially if the options there to be able to fulfill it. So why not? Awesome, man. Awesome. So, um, obviously you touched on kind of like the sustainability kind of aspect of it. Kind of what, um, what kind of garment manufacturer you decided to kind of go with? Do you have one that's more predominant than the other or? Yeah, yeah. So I think most of my stuff, I, I tend to like. I, I really like the AS color T-shirts. I know that's sort of. I think I've spoke to you a while ago about it, where yeah. you were saying you didn't like the extra length and stuff. Um, 
but I've, I've always found that with some brands that I've tried before in, in the process of things is as their sizes went bigger, they didn't go longer. Yeah. Yeah. And I was having that issue of like bigger people because we do, we do go up to 5XL. It was certain garments just weren't having the extra length they needed as they were going bigger. They would just go wider yeah. and not longer. So I've always preferred that as an option. So I, I did find that with those, like the AS color ones, definitely sort of just tick the box in terms of not being too heavy. I don't know, that's, that's a sort of a whole topic in itself is like people wanting heavyweight, yeah. oversized T-shirts. Um, and I think that is a kind of a popular thing, especially in, in this country, but in certain countries, it's not a thing. So like if you're forcing that onto people and they're, they're buying a size and they're saying it's too big, like I know that if I sell a more regular fit T-shirt, like I do, I just buy the size, I just put the size up on. Yeah. So it's like, I can, I can wear a medium, but I can also put a large on. And then the sleeves are a bit longer, the length's a bit, it's all a bit looser overall. So I kind of prefer that option. And I, I probably would, if I had the space, dabble into getting a heavyweight one in, because I did order some, just to see what they were like. And they are cool, but well, yeah. That, I, I, yeah, yeah, it's colour ones, you know. Yeah, they do like a 280 yeah, one yeah. now, which is like insane. Yeah. So I, yeah, I ordered those in as soon as they came online. I ordered two, um, a medium and large. And I wore one recently to a gig that we, the band played and I was sweating. <laughs> it was like wearing a sleeping bag on stage. Like it was way too hot, to be honest. Like days like today, yeah, yeah. I, I wouldn't want to be mooching around in a 280 GSM t-shirt because it's heavy it's heavy as hell um but they do look nice they do look nice but um yeah I, I just sort of find that that the, what I have now is as always a compliment so I'm just going to stop with them no fair enough mate. fair enough I uh I went on holiday last year and uh I think it was the last day or second to last day we were there um it was the hottest day of the year it got to like 30 or degrees or something stupid and we went out for a bloody hike on this day and I was wearing one of the Stanley Stella blasters and they're like 240G okay. or something yeah yeah and it was just absolutely dripping and it's like yeah. it's not just the fact it's heavy it's the fact it's oversized as well it covers more than it should it was like wearing yeah a, I was just like yeah they're nice but not in summer <laughs> no no that's it but yeah have you um have you dabbled with your brands at all then or have you kind of just stuck with them and I still with it. I think when I first started off, um, I was using Continental clothing when I was doing the first lot of drop shipping. Um, I moved away from the first drop in shipping company um, to a different one when I rebranded, like I said, for the first two months. Mm-hmm. And then I moved to, with them, I used Bella Canvas. Okay. Um, did a, a little bit with them. Uh, and then, yeah, to be honest, I just felt like, I didn't really like the cut as much of the Bella Canvas one. I felt like the shoulders were very sort of like retail cuts. They're very quite tight. It was it was sort of like some of the high streety cuts as opposed to more of a skate cut where it was a bit looser. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I just sort of found, I, I got a sample of each printed on both uh, Bella Canvas and uh, AS Color. And I just preferred the, the, the fit of the AS Color one. I thought it was more forgiving around the stomach area as well. Because again, it wasn't, completely tailored um so so again if you you know if you're different shapes and things it just seems to be a bit more complementary yeah that's what i need what um what are you using now ruth um i can't remember the exact name of the product number still but it's um it's the um, it's uh the anthem heavy uh, heavyweight t-shirt oh nice yeah they're nice as well they're they're really nice but i was just going to touch on that a second ago like you can't wear one in one of these hot in this hot hot weather (laughs) 
Like, how heavy are they? How heavy are those? No, I'm sweating. <laughs> yeah, no, I am. I am too. No, right, so, so these are two twenty PSN. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So like, you know, not unless you've got like a super baggy one on, they're just like, yeah, I'd, yeah. I'd, I'd avoid it in this sort of weather. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Fair enough, um, so what um what's kind of your what would you say kind of your proudest achievement with the brand has been so far then because you've had like you i mean quite frankly you've had massive growth over the last two years yeah yeah i mean again i think that's been because of running ads i think like obviously when running ads i do see the followers and stuff grow because again touching back on the idea of brand starting off a few years ago where you could post something and it had much better reach and you could just grow a following relatively organically that does seem to have curbed a lot recently and it's i guess if anything it's just transitioned to you've got to be putting reels out every single day yeah. and that isn't always that easy because like i'm not one for as much as I'm on for sort of speaking to the camera and, and repping the brand that way i'm not one for being in front of the camera when it comes to wearing the clothes and showing the clothes off and if I was then yeah I could literally just set up a little camera walk onto frame with a t-shirt on and walk off and boom there's your content but I just don't do it for myself so I do struggle with, with putting reels together um, so I think the growth has then really come from yeah regular posting but also um, running the ads and things like that to sort of get it in front of people um, but in terms of achievements I think one just surviving the first year i think just surviving being a brand um because we as we all are well aware there's a lot of brands did appear around lockdown and because of lockdown uh because it gave people it, even if it did start before it mm. gave them like myself it sort of gave us time to just invest into it yeah. um but then a lot of them as soon as stuff opened back up again last july disappeared you know yeah. literally accounts were just abandoned and that was it close the doors and they were done um so i think just getting to that second birthday is is a good one um i think getting the designs uh some of the designs into hmv for a while um was cool but I was yeah i did pull the plug on it so yeah i have sort of got them back but i did obviously they did reach out funny enough because he'd seen a facebook ad um, one of the buyers had seen an ad and reached out and just said it you know they think their stuff would look good in this new format they were trialing um so i guess that was achievement because again just anything that gives the brand sort of social proof are just a nod like, that you are doing something right is i guess mm. is a win really and for them to be interested that felt like oh okay well maybe we are doing something right because people are interested in what we're doing no, I was just gonna. Yeah, no, it's all it's, it's all been said for me. <laughs> so <I'm> just, yeah. <laughs> so um, did you? We don't have to talk about this if you don't want to as well. Did you go down the agency route then? Uh, yes. Yeah. yeah, I did at the start. Um, I think they were they were working with a guy that I speak to a lot. So I speak to a guy over in Austria, um, and I think he had done a little bit with them, and then they'd sort of message me. And I think they do this with everyone. They'd sort of then send results through, oh, we're, yeah. you know, we're doing stuff for your friend and this is what we're seeing and X, Y, and Z. And yeah, I think it's very easy to sort of fall into the trap of we can invest this and make this. Yeah. You know, it's very easy to fall into that. Um, 
and you see it all the time, you know, people posting like, oh, we spent 5,000 and made 95 back. So yeah, but you're probably selling boats for seven grand each yeah, exactly. <laughs> and you only had to get a few sales to make that back, you know, and it's, it's all relative to what they're selling when you see these sort of crazy um, sort of insane sort of returns and stuff. It's usually relative to people selling garden furniture for £2,000 and they spend yeah. £100 on ads. Um, yeah. It's not not usually relatable to fashion, <laughs> which is funny. Um, yeah. But yeah, I did sort of go and give it a shot. And, and don't get me wrong, like the three months I was with them, it was prior to people doing the update for iOS. So yeah. Yeah. we did see a little bit of that sort of like the high of what some brands were probably seeing um, because I started them in February 2020 and then the update was what April or so. Yeah, it was April, but it took a few months. It took a little while to yeah, yeah. Only so I in September. Yeah, yeah. So I sort of got like a few months under that where we were only spending about a thousand pounds a month, maybe just over, and we were probably seeing six, seven back to yeah. be honest. So we were seeing that sort of six, seven return, um, yeah. and they were they were very keen to sort of like spend more, even without my permission they were just uh, i would notice that like halfway through the month we'd hit a thousand pounds and i was like oh i thought we would we'd set the budget to this sort of thing um so they were obviously quite keen to scale because that's where commission is made and this right and the other um even without your permission so yeah I, I kind of started off with one agency and i got to the end of three months with them and i think as i was getting to the end of the three months things were starting to like in terms of like lockdowns and things are meant to start easing and this that, and the other um so i said you know there's potential that i'm gonna go back to work and i can't be printing all of these orders with you trying to scale the way you want to because yeah. i've got it and obviously i knew that once we did come out of that i was gonna really be pretty busy um so yeah it was kind of just one of them things where i kind of wanted to come to an end with it and the first agency then basically threw the contract at me and were like you need to give us 90 days to cancel but it was a 90-day contract to start with. Oh, okay. oh right. So, so I was like, so you're basically saying that in order for me to have cancelled this after three months, I'd have had to give you notice from day one Yeah. to cancel it, is effectively what they were saying. Um, and yeah, so I had to do three more months with them where basically for those three months, they received a text message or a phone call from me every single day to see what performance was doing. So I was like, if, if I'm going to have to pay you, you're going to work for it. So I was literally on the phone to them pretty much all the time. Um, yeah. And I'd dive in myself and switch things off if I wasn't happy. And I'd reduce the budget to like, if they were spending more than they should have been, I'd reduce it down to like literally like 50 pence a day and yeah. things like that. So I, I basically made sure that they weren't sort of effectively taking the piss. So yeah, yeah I sort of, and as soon as it came to an end, it came to an end. Um, but I think they were just... Yeah, I, again, the guys that I'd worked with and, and other people were reaching out to me saying, oh, they're messaging me saying this, this and this. And, you know, I was getting a lot of brands messaging me um, as yeah. well. Yeah, so, uh, and then again, my friend left them and, they, and again, they did the same with him, um, even though he, they were t- he was told, because he had a contract that come to an end, that he was pretty much on a, on a 30-day rolling thing. They then just took out some, like, a thousand plus euros from his account and said, that's because we need new orders for this amount of time yeah yeah so yeah they did the same again so no surprise that yeah i I think a a lot of a a brand a big brand that was with them left them um and yeah i'm I'm surprised they're still around to be honest because the way they were running was to me just felt very sort of like unethical 
Yeah, I mean, our, our experiences, the both of us, were both very, very, very similar to yours. Yeah. yeah. Is that with the same guys? Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, got a mutual connection there, guys. Mm, yeah, <laughs> oh, but, uh, no, I, I, no names or anything, but um, just for yeah. matter of uh, was it integrity? Um, but yeah, no, we we had very very similar circumstances. But I mean, we started off really really well, um, and we were kind of doing you know year six, seven ones and all that, yeah. um, on kind of like you know fifteen hundred quid ad spend, and it was brilliant, and. Uh, it kind of, you know, gradually started dipping, and then we got to September, and the iOS stuff hit us, and our yeah. went from like up here to down here. Yeah, and it was just like shit. Like this is pretty fucking worrying, you know, because we were at the time like um, Nix was on furlough still, and so she was getting a furlough payment, but it was kind of like that was the only income we were really getting because I wasn't doing much design work. I wasn't screen printing for anybody much because businesses weren't doing anything. Like, so I run a screen printing business as well as Downcast. Yeah, yeah. Nobody, nobody was getting anything printed, really. Like, the only jobs that were kind of going on were jobs that weren't ours, and it was kind of like, you know, for, for like NHS and shit. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Not the NHS shit, but, um, um, yeah, it's, it's, it was kind of like when that happened, that was a bit like, oh, this is, you know, pretty fucking scary but it was just before that um me and rube started properly talking again after a while didn't we and yeah, yeah. about this agency and how they've done good frowns and everything and then you went on board and that's when everything just crashed so you were like yeah. in a lot worse situation than, than we were but we i think i scoured the contract to be yeah. like when can we get out yeah. And basically just kind of took all the bullet points out and everything like that and sent it to him and I was like, here's our notice. And basically never heard from him for three months. Right. They didn't get in touch. I kept trying to call them to see what happened and everything like that. And they'd carry on the ad spend, but nothing had been monitored. Yeah. So it was just money wasted and I just ended up stopping everything and I was just like, you know, oh, here's what it is. It's kind of, you know. Uh, I, I ended up doing that, like going in and turning off ads myself and <laughs> awesome. just have, just having ads up and being like there's absolutely nothing coming from this and then and then just hearing nonsense back from them yeah um, yeah so yeah I, I i had a terrible experience with them <clears throat> yeah uh, how, long was, how long was you with them for was you with them for um, a while or yeah so i was with them for for six months they they tied me into a six-month contract straight away um and then coming up to the fifth month, they quickly slid another another three months under me um, on ten times the promise on the first time. Um, you know, it was same ad spend of a grand a month, um, and we didn't break even once. Um, which was, and you know, every time it was kind of like something's got to change here. You know, I'm 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 going to get, you know, I'm going to lose my house and lose everything. Sort of yeah, thing. yeah, yeah. Um, they just did not give a shit. Um, no didn't give a shit you know every time I kind of said you know like things have got to change it was just the same 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 thing as what you said just threw the contract at me and you know it was like it was your you know it was your decision to sign it sort of thing so yeah they, yeah they yeah. yeah yeah I think like an agency really has to be on this one understanding about what the brand's about but yeah. also like passionate about what the brand's about so that they help grow yeah. the brand and yeah. I spoke I've spoke to um an agency called Cake Agency that I think they also co-own um, PM Co, the brand, and they're also doing stuff for Bad Monday. Now, obviously, okay. the retainers and things like that are massive, yeah. and rightly yeah. so, because they're a 
looks like a proper powerhouse. They win awards for all sorts of stuff. But, you know, the fact that you've got these brands that are working with them and probably willing to work with them and they're probably passionate about working with them mm-hmm. will probably make a massive difference, you know. And I think if, if anyone's sliding into your DMs and saying, hey, look what we're doing for these, and look what we're doing for these, they're just fishing for anyone they can. Mm-hmm. To just give them money, give us money, give us money, tie you into a contract and threaten you. Yeah, you know, it's just a copy and paste job, that email. And it's yeah. Like, oh, we've found another one. I had one um, uh, maybe a week ago, and he'd actually gone to the effort of kind of finding out about, like, Downcast and what we'd done. And he went back yeah, to yeah, yeah. podcast I did with Chessie on the Swedish Inc. podcast. Listen to the whole thing, because there's, there was th- mm-hmm. things in there that I've only ever mentioned on our podcast. Yeah. Now a lot. So he's taking yeah, yeah. yeah. Even so, I was just like, I just don't trust any of them anymore. After that, no, when you no. get burned a bit, don't you? And it's just yeah, like, yeah. yeah, I'm not yeah. really going to be putting my money there again. I'd rather, yeah, yeah. Well, I, I, I tried a second one, <laughs> I tried another one. Um, yeah. that again was recommended to me, and again, had worked with some big brands. So, over I don't know when they'd worked with them, but I'd done stuff again with Bad Monday, High Dive, Doomsday, things like that. Um, and I gave them a go. And I think two of the big brands, I'm not saying which, but the two big brands had come back to them very shortly after I'd returned. And again, I was still playing it safe where we weren't spending, we were probably doing like 1500 to probably a month or so. Um, but obviously these guys are like dipping yeah. in hundreds and hundreds per day in comparison. And I just felt like the attention then was obviously shifted to where the money was being made, um, which is fair enough. Again, I get that. You know, I was pretty much just low hanging fruit. You know, just an extra payday in there, and they were giving me they were giving me the time. We had weekly video calls and things like that. Um, and they, and again, unlike previous agencies, where it was just yes men syndrome, where they'd be like, yes, we're going to do this, and yes, yes, yes. These guys actually knew the numbers. They knew the numbers, and they knew what they were talking about, which was great. It was. Um, but I just think there was just a few little things that just didn't make it work for us. I think there was a, an issue with like the creatives just didn't represent the brand the way they should have done. Um, and, and, and obviously that's something that they want to control over, but really just didn't sort of land for me really um, when it came to, like you said, promoting the brand the way it should have been. Um, so just little things like that. And as I said, you know, I think a lot of competition in the UK in comparison to other places in the world and, yeah, just just the timing. I think it was just the timing. And again, we, we were struggling to see like a three. You know, yeah. we were struggling to get to a three. And that sometimes was running deals that would really lend low the profits because of the deal we were running. Yeah. Um, yeah. And now now running them myself, typically around a four, doing them on my own. So, well, good on you, man. You know, I've yeah. kind of got to that point where, yeah, I'm just running them myself now and just diving in occasion and just tweaking things. But because I'm doing all the creatives myself, I feel like it's a stronger representation of what the brand's about. And that's, again, in turn is helping um, because they don't look, they look a bit cheap and nasty, like just fresh out of Canva, like yeah. put a picture of their job done. I was like, mm, don't really represent the way it should. So yeah, yeah I think doing that myself and I've been doing that now for, oh, what? I left them in February? So, yeah, probably a good few months now I've run it myself and it's definitely been better. It's stressful, yeah, but yeah, it's better. Yeah. It's definitely better, you know, because I'm not having to pay an agency this lump sum as well yeah. at the end of it all. And, you know, sometimes you put that into effect, into, into effect when you're not seeing these glory days of six and sevens, yeah. you know, mm. 
between three and fours, you go and pay someone a big chunk of money to run them, yeah. you suddenly your yeah. actual walk away is, is hardly worth it. And and I think if I was buying stock in and sat on it and just sending it out, you know, it wouldn't be a big deal. But it's mm-hmm. if I've got to go over to the unit, get everything ready, lay it all out, print it all, pack it all and send it, there's got to be a return from that because you're, you're there for a long time. You're putting the time and effort in. So, yeah. yeah. That's the path that I've just recently gone down now is uh, sort of doing everything in-house and just trying to, I'm just trying to get the grasp of it all still. Yeah. 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 I'm, I'm watching like a lot of Ben Heath and stuff like that. Just to, yeah. 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 Same. Ben Heath. Yeah. <laughs> I think there's about, I think there's about four or five that I subscribe to and I sort of like, die between each of them and, and most of them yeah. sort of give similar-ish info i think um but yeah i've just been trying to be honest i've just been leaving mine broad open the last couple yeah. of months just not even using interest based targeting anymore just leaving it broad open and yeah letting it's that run really itself good. good for you man yeah just setting the ages i think like 18 to 45 let it run see what happens Wow. Yeah, right. and let, let sort of Facebook's data yeah, yeah. sort of do some of the working out. And you might find, don't get me wrong, there's a few days when you start new ads, a few days of like, oh, God, you know, only a sale here and a sale there. Yeah. But then when it does, when it did pick up, you know, some days, I think like yesterday, again, we're not spending, I'm not spending a fortune on them, but I think like yesterday we did, um, I'm just trying to get to load desperately here with one hand. I think yesterday we did like five orders and the day before that we did six. So, you know, it's not, I'm not saying it's groundbreaking, but it's no, but it's 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 working. Yeah, it's the real adds up, doesn't it? Yeah, and that's That's even even in our peak, like our peak was probably last summer, um, and we had a highest earning months and everything like that, and that was just you know the Shopify sound, yeah, 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 yeah. (laughs) every hour or so, and it's like and even that, it's like you know it's ten, twelve orders a day or whatever, but that racks up really fucking quickly. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, you have you have the quiet two weeks in the middle of the month or whatever, but if you have a, a good week either side of that, it's you know you're, you're laughing, aren't you? Really? Yeah, that's it. That's it. But yeah, no, fair enough. Fair enough. That's really awesome stuff. Well, um, bit of a random question then. So, what if you could have any piece of equipment or technology that you could add to your business? Yeah. Either improve it or to scale. What would you go with? Oh man, that's a good one. Like, I, I always, when I started off, I was like, loved the idea of a DTG machine, but the simple cost factor. And yes. sometimes when I watch some videos, like the time it actually takes to print a T-shirt isn't super quick. Yeah. You know, especially when you're not going to like, unless you're buying them sort of like Cornet. Oh, two hundred fifty thousand pounds. Yeah. You know, quarter of <laughs> a million pound machines. Oh, yeah then you know when you're 20 grand or more they're still not super super fast and you know the the, the way that i'm doing mine i can print relatively quickly so there is a um hotronics heat press which is like a dual station and it has like a, um like a hydraulic a i've not no no it looks similar it looks yeah, very yeah. similar but it's not so it is a hydraulic one so there is like um there's a bolt underneath the, the platen. Okay. Yeah, so yeah. when you put the t-shirt on you can just very lightly close the lids and then the, the, the bolt gets pushed up yeah, to yeah. press it and you set your pressure that way 
but they do do one which is like a dual station and then you can sort of fusion or something yeah you load one you press the buttons it goes down you're onto the next one that would be great like something like that i think would be i think i'd still stick to the method i'm using to be honest even going to like scale i think if you you know if i did ever say you know you know what stuff having a shop and let's just try and grow as a huge econ brand i think it would just be a case of getting a bigger unit and then having them type of stations set up and a small team loading them up and printing them up and, and sending stuff out that way yeah because i do i have found that you know that they've washed really well they, they haven't they don't split and crack like people expect sort of when people think of it as like vinyl but it's not yeah, vinyl yeah. It, it is like that you said the director film stuff um it just yeah it just it's worn really well so That's yeah i think i probably would terrible. stick to it yeah, and I think because I take out the base colour from the design, yeah. it doesn't just feel like a big sheet, you yeah. know. Um, I know some people like the idea of being able to put it onto white T-shirts or black T-shirts or whatever, yeah, so yeah. they just leave it in. But I've always been a, you, you pick your design colour, it's going yeah. on black T-shirt, take all the black out of the design mm-hmm. and then yeah. print it that way. So there's still got that sort of like breathable space but, in it. So that's kind of how I design nowadays as well is it's kind of like you're using the shirt color as an extra color to yeah. the color cam yeah 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 and you know, especially with screen printing it's kind of we have a cruiser so we can print up to six colors um but it's like really like with if i'm printing on a black shirt i can use the black and it's seven yeah it's like so i don't know ruby or the same as well um yeah no so a, uh, a duo heat press and a warehouse. I think so. Yeah, something like that with uh, you know the, like the fancier sort of like hat presses and stuff. Basically, the top end yeah. Postronic sort of stuff. I think would be what I would love. Um, but yeah. you know, it's, it's one problem. of them things. It's baby steps every time. But then you suddenly turn around and look where you've come from, and you've actually yeah. made. Just a quick disclaimer here. Um, we did lose Jack for a minute or so. Um, so when it jumps back in, don't worry, you haven't missed anything. Oh, we've got two jacks now. Oh, <laughs> I'm back. Sorry, guys. There we go. Let me um, quickly send a message while I'm on the computer. All right. There we go. Just so she knows. <laughs> All right, I was like, oh no, the, the wife rang. Oh, did it? Oh, right. And I tried to, I tried to hang up, but it still answered anyway. And I was like, nope, nope, nope. So I've just texted her now. Um, yeah. Fair enough, no worries. So yeah, we've we've got one of the um the stores Hoptronics and they're just a fucking game changer. We yeah. had one of the standard blue heat presses from wherever the hell it was, and it was like, you know, it was all right because I mean we we didn't have a conveyor driver before, so we used to cure mm-hmm. all our inks on a heat press, um, which was <laughs> fucking right pain in the ass. Um, yeah. but um yeah, since upgraded to that, it's like using soup colour as well. When it's kind of we get our um, get our like neck tags and stuff from Target transfers. Yeah, um, yeah, I got mine from those. Yeah, I think we're um, might start doing them ourselves. Um, but yeah, we'll see. But yeah, Hotronic stuff is next level. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's definitely where I want to try and work towards. I guess you guys are probably similar with like screen printing stuff as well. There's probably certain machines and certain things you can get eventually which obviously if it helps to make the job easier then absolutely yeah would you ever um would you ever consider kind of going down the purchase in your own dtf machine do you know what i i don't know i don't know i think 
like whenever I, again whenever I watch reviews some people always say that do they compete yeah. with Supercolor and, and some that I've watched have been like oh you know they just don't feel the same or they don't hold up the same yeah. and, I, and I think you know at the end of the day quality is, is, is super important if I start switching things at this stage and then existing customers then start to notice the difference uh, it does start to crack and fade or whatever yeah. then you know there's that I think if anything I'd have to just start sweet talking the guys at Supercolor some more and just see what price plans they can put you on if you start yeah. doing things at scale and if you start doing things at scale anyway obviously the price of things changes anyway so you are getting better prices if you're buying at scale because you're selling at scale so yeah I yeah think- I don't know I kind of just like the process the Supercolor machines I think they're about a million pounds or something ridiculous okay yeah so in that case yeah. <laughs> oh, the not, man. It, it, it's like I've had this conversation with a few different people about kind of like the DTF route because it's something that we have considered like yeah. bringing in house because obviously we spend a lot of money on Supercolor. Yeah, yeah. Obviously, a lot of the time, you know, we don't do a lot of Supercolor with the brand, but we do do a fair bit with the print business. Yeah. Obviously, we're passing that cost on to the customer, but it's quite a high cost and sometimes it works out more than screen printing. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's kind of just like we toyed with the idea of going, oh, yeah, you know, we, we should look at DTF machines and everything, but kind of like talking to people like in the industry that have had one um, or currently have one, they say it's just, you know, the technology is so new. Yeah. That, like, you know, doing it on that kind of scale, like the smaller machines and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Are enormous, you know. Um, but kind of doing it on the, the scale where it's like the DTF machine is the size of a table. Yeah. It's like the technology is just not there. And it's kind yeah. of, you see where DTG come from. And DTG, mm-hmm. in my opinion, is out of all of kind of like the digital printing te- techniques or or kind of manual printing techniques, it's probably at the bottom of the pile for me, um, just in terms of quality and stuff. But, you know, the cornet machines and stuff are great, but, you know, who's got a quarter of a million pounds to spend? Yeah. Um, so it's, yeah, I don't know. It's, I think it's something we're potentially open to kind of doing in-house so long as the, the technology is right because they always say it's like the white ink yeah yeah so. I, I, I think um like you said i think as it gets more advanced it's definitely something to consider because i've seen people comment on sponsored posts from different suppliers of things like direct to film things and they're saying well i can print my own for you know a meter sheet for so much um themselves so obviously there's decent margins in it if you get yeah. it right but but again it all like you said depends on the clientele i think because i'm not i'm not doing it for things like oh well just print things for hindus and staglers and that's where yeah. you can probably rattle things out in full color and it doesn't matter if it crumbles after five washes or so you know i'm we are trying to put things out as a brand that stands the test of time and, and people feel like they can rely on it. So I think that's why I've kind of been happy with, with Supercolor. And, and again, with people who have DTG machines, they, they sort of say, unless you're running it daily, yeah. there's a lot of issues with them in terms of like ink clogging up and things like that. So I think I only rely on really them getting stuff to me and the heat press not breaking. Yeah. And if it breaks, I have a spur one. Because I did, I did move from a more manually sort of press one to the one with a hydraulic. After doing some long days, I was like, "Let's get something that's a bit easier, yeah. easier on the body, long term." Um, a little bit. <laughs> yeah, but it's it's there as a backup. So if my other one goes down, production doesn't stop. Yeah. That gets sent away. The other one comes out. You just have to slug it out for a few days, and then you replace it. You know. So 
I kind of like the idea of that, you know, it's minimal gear. There is no drying machine needed because it's just done in a heat press. There's yeah. no like buying of inks because you just have the designs and you press it. So I feel like it's, it just allows for less equipment to get somewhat a similar result to what others are achieving as well. Um, and, and like you said, I, I personally really like it. And the guy that I speak to in Austria, he's now outsourced some of his stuff to be screen printed and, when they were getting it back, they did say, you know, they were they were sort of like feeling the two and they were kind of humming and ahhing as to which they preferred over screen print are super color. Cause they were like, I think they got so used to it that anything else just felt unusual to them. Like, oh, I don't know, actually, I kind of like yeah. there's pros and cons to both, I think. Um yeah. like with anything, but I think I've just sort of gone down that route and I'm yeah, just like you said, for minimal expense and equipment-wise, it's quite a good option. For me, especially because I have a lot of color in the designs. Yeah. When um when you're working with a um a designer, then kind of what do you like, look for? Is it kind of a, are you commissioning people or are you kind of just buying? Bit of both. Yeah. Bit of both. Um. So like I've literally just grabbed three this morning because I can't help myself, and I kind of see some stuff, and then I, I have like a document with all the names of t-shirts I want to do in the. So the same way with the band, um, I have notes of just like lyric ideas and song ideas. Sometimes it's like audio recordings where I just sing something to the phone if it comes to me. Um, I do the same with like t-shirt titles, if you will. So I sort of come up with ideas. Um, yeah. and, and sometimes I'll have a very clear idea of what I want the t-shirt to look like and I'll mood board and send that over. Um, or alternatively, I'll look through the guys that I've sort of used before and I'll find something and go, oh, I like this, but I don't need this element of it, uh, that element of it, and I've put this text in here and this and the other. So it's kind of a, a bit of a mixture, to be honest. I think when I first ever start, started, it was all concept. It was all sent to people on Fiverr, and I got them to draw it, basically. Um, but then since then, discovering different people uh, and then following them on Instagram and things like that, I do now see some of the stuff that they've already pre-done, which I'm like, oh, that really suits like the title idea I've got. Like, can you, you know, I don't even ask them to take the te text off it these days. They just send the file over. I take the text off myself. I check some of the layers off. I change some of the colors. I add my own text in. Yeah. And that's usually the way it tends to go these days is I'll just sort of see something and go, oh, that would really suit, you know, such a phrase that I've got an idea for and, and go from there. So yeah, a bit of a mixture. Awesome. Do you have any questions, Ruth? Yeah, I have. Um, so, in terms of like, influencers and uh, models and stuff, like, have you got any plans to like sort of branch out and get any like bigger names, like some sort of celebrities or like people in like bigger bands and stuff to wear the gear? Or I think for me, like musicians is the way I would tend to go. I think rather than sort of like looking at influencers, so to speak, that have you know built their following typically on, on sort of like photo shoots and style shoots and things like that. Um, I think I'm more drawn to the music aspect of like the people that have influenced the brand, sometimes have influenced designs um, and just influenced me as a person over the past 15, 16 years of playing music. So if I could get t-shirts to like Mark Hoppus from Blink or Jordan from like Newfound Glory and Kenny from the starting line and all them bands that have influenced me, I'd be like a dream come true for me, you know? So like yeah, even, yeah. even recently, like I went to Slam Dunk Festival in Leeds. Um, I went watching a band called Caskets from Leeds. Um, great band, sort of like 
bit heavier on the heavier side. Um, but I, I saw them support a band in Manchester before, so I was like, oh, these are really good. And then I went to Slam them because I like, I'm gonna go and check them out again. Um, and then I watched them, and then I actually saw the singer post on his stories, and then because yeah. I saw I was like, tiptoeing through the profiles. And I noticed that he already followed me. I was like, oh, cool, he follows me. So I actually, so I sent him a message and was like, oh, mate, really enjoyed the show. And he was like, oh, cheers, man. And I said, well, if you want some stuff, send it over. Like, let me know what you want. I'll ping some stuff over. And he was really nice about it. He was like, oh, mate, I don't mind sending some money for it. I was like, no, no, no. You know, as a, as a thank yeah. you for the music and for the sort of everything else, like, let me give something back. Um, and he didn't go crazy, you know, a, a T-shirt and what have you. So sent it over. So again, I don't know if he's wearing it or anything, but it's kind of just reaching out to musicians that I think from like I, when you, we all get people messages and all day every day saying oh send me some stuff and I'll take a picture you know yeah, yeah. um we all get that but I think for me like I, I always say to people I always put them down politely you know and oh, we're not doing like collaborations and stuff um because if anything it's it's more I just it, for me it's more of a paying back thing like yeah. giving them something isn't just because it's like oh my stuff so I'm such a person isn't that cool it's actually genuinely more out of paying it back as if like, for me, it's more like I would love to give them something back because the years of inspiration and just entertainment side of it that they've given me, it almost feels like, you know, to give something back as well is, is, is nice as well. And if they get some, you know, if they like it, especially even better. But really yeah, cool. I think that's more where I go with it. I think in terms of like influences, if you will, it's more just, musicians that I like <laughs> so that's cool that's cool awesome man um yeah. do you have any questions for us oh man I mean you guys obviously both like screen printing stuff how do you find that in terms of like do you can you do that at a smaller scale are you are you having to do that with with, with bigger volumes yeah do you want to go first right um you can take this one mate I'll, I'll jump on the next one go on <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so I mean, as I said, we kind of outsource um, to begin with, and now we do everything now. But I think our problem is because we we only print water based, um, yeah. so the kind of setup and tear down times and stuff, and we have to make sure you know screens are properly clean and everything. It doesn't really make sense, kind of, like for us to print one offs. You know yeah, yeah. I mean? yeah. Uh, we do print in small batches um, because you know waste. Um, yeah. but it's kind of like we do have like our minimums of what we'd have to print you know if we've got yeah, yeah. Like, oh, we're not sure or whatever it's scrapped or it goes yeah. up to sale on one design account um, and yeah you know we, we only ever print stuff that kind of like we really really believe in sort of thing but it's yeah. you know what we do in terms of the water based yeah it does make it prettier um, yeah. as I'm sure Rube will tell you in a minute with plastic solids it's, it's a lot more forgiving in time in terms of its <laughs> reusability and stuff like that um, yeah. yeah, take it away, Rube. Yeah, so um, it's the complete opposite end of the scale um, with Plastisol compared to water-based. So as where well, I can just do, um, you know, at, at the moment, it is sort of having just like a box of blanks. And then when an order comes in, I can just stick it up, you know, set it all up on the press and get going. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so it's, so it's a lot easier. It's been a lot easier for me launching, having been able to have the sort of... Um, I guess like playtime of everything. So I don't have to, um, so I launched with originally with, um, I think it was like 11 or 12 items. Um, yeah. And none of them, it, it was just like boxes of clothes. Um, yeah, so yeah. It, was 
yeah so it was really cool like similar with similar with what you're doing like you know printing yeah. on getting orders and stuff yeah it's so with like plastic soul um yeah it's amazing that's good. So, yeah um so just drawing a, a blank a little bit there um but no yeah so it's um sorry i'm not going a bit um, almost <laughs> yeah almost nearly nearly everything's nearly going um yeah no so uh on the whole, it's um, a lot easier so, for, yeah. for smaller for smaller print runs and yeah, stuff like yeah. that. So you don't have to worry about like, you know like a, um, the uh, the screen's clogging up or anything like that because you know like, plastic sauce forgiven. I mean they're all sort of on my shelf with the, with the lids off and right. Yeah. yeah, yeah, you don't have to you don't have to cover uh, cover up plastic sauce. Like I'm not sure if it's actually got a, a shelf base, but <laughs> you'll no, soon find yeah, out. Like, Probably doesn't. Yeah, well, I, I don't know because I've I've even got something. I mean I've. They'll outlive cockroaches. Sorry, they'll outlive cockroaches. They will do. Like, I've got some inks here that I've not even I've not even used, but I've had them for like more than two years, and they've still got the lids off, and they're still like gooey and like playable and wow. stuff. So, yeah, cool. yeah, yeah, it's, um, yeah. Yeah, I think like Darcy said, they're gonna uh, they're gonna outlive cockroaches. <laughs> <laughs> nice, nice. You'll be screaming yeah. in the apocalypse. I will be. I will be. I'm the the one, the one clothing brand that survives. So, so going. Cool. Do you have uh, anything else? No, man. I think I'm. Uh, yeah. yeah. It's, it's interesting hearing, like, obviously the difference between the, the sort of like screen printing approach and uh, obviously Dash. I didn't actually know that you were using Supercolor to some some extent um, as well. So that's kind of cool to hear. Because I know I, I think a few. I don't think there's many brands really that overly use it. To be honest, I don't think there's too many yeah. out there that I'm that I'm aware of that but typically I've, I've use it. it. That's what I'm so keen to speak to you about it. Yeah, I think there's me and there's yeah, there's the brand That Life. I think he uses some of super color stuff. But I think he also I've noticed recently I've seen him like cutting stuff out, um, like gang sheets and stuff, okay. which I know super color now I do gang sheets, but it doesn't look like the sheets. So I think he's got a different supplier as well. So I think he's using someone else and it probably is someone who can print their own direct film stuff. Um, but yeah, I've just, like you said, I've never had any issues with them. If there's ever been any issues with artwork, they just reprint and send it out. You know, they've just been really good. So yeah, I can't, so I can't, can't really fault them to be honest. So Awesome, man. Awesome. Um, yeah, we've got a, a, a last little section. Go on. Of rapid fire questions. Yeah. Cool. So, Rube, do you want to go first, mate? Uh, no, mate. I'm just picking up my sheet now. I dropped it earlier. <laughs> there I go. Uh, I said I'm just, I'm just picking up my sheet now, earlier. Um, with the rapid fire questions, um, I mean, I guess it sort of answers. I guess it sort of answers it answers itself. But uh, like favorite artist. Yeah. Yeah, like music artist. Okay, my favorite one is I would say of all time is probably still Blink Right Two. I actually had I actually had like written down probably like thing was. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is, it is. Uh, yeah. And to be honest, even though it is a slight segue, obviously them guys running when they ran Atticus Clothing and Famous Stairs and Straps, like when oh I used to God. go to Manchester. Oh, yeah, yes, yeah, so that was theirs. No idea of that. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. So even though it's now owned, Atticus Clothing is now owned by a company in Holland, I believe. They sort of bought the rights to it. Um, it's still so it still somewhat exists, but yeah, it was a blink sort of thing. They Mark and Tom both ran it together. And when I used to go to Manchester to Afflex, there used to be a skate shop called Exit, and they would stock like Atticus 
clothing as well as like Macbeth trainers, which obviously was theirs as well. Um, yeah, so like that was again another reason for me to go to athletics all the time, and I was always buying their stuff. And they used to always put that rest, what they call the logo, the resting bird. It was always yeah. sewn on the sleeve, which is the part of the reason why I still do the little logo on the sleeve as well. So even though oh. it's a different a different approach, that yeah. has just been massive, massively influenced from Attica's clothing putting the little bird on the sleeve. I now put the little logo on the sleeve as well, just because of that yeah so blink has probably been a huge inspiration for me over yeah over the years and stuff um, would you rather fight a horse-sized reuben or 50 chicken-sized darcy's oh man i'm gonna go for chicken sized i think it just feels like it'd be easier to kick them out of the way <laughs> fair enough fair enough Go <laughs> it's, it's cereal it's cereal soup. Oh my god, it could be actually, yeah, potentially. I'm gonna say yes. Why? Mark, you're in my corner there. Ruben said no and called me a fucking idiot. <laughs> I guess it's, it's just that liquid food in a bowl, and some some soup is chunky, so it's not always the instant blended stuff that's completely blended. So it, it could be. I mean, it's cold, so no one wants cold soup. Yeah, but um, those um, was it gazpacho? Is yeah. It? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. You go, Rube, so it could be, it could be. Yeah, <laughs> who came up with that one? <laughs> me, <laughs> that's me, that's me not sleeping tonight. That's me thinking, sitting there at night, going, Is it though? <laughs> I've got another one like that here. So, <laughs> my, my Google history is gonna be questionable after this. Um, I'll, I'll leave that one till last then. Okay. Um, are you a morning person or a night owl? Morning. Yep. Yeah, morning. Cool. Who? Uh, if you had to relocate, where would you move to? Oh, um, I think if I wasn't doing the brand, I would probably move to Sorrento in Italy and I'd just shoot weddings in Sorrento because it's. Yeah, I don't know if you've ever been, but it's obviously very picturesque and a lot of Brits do go there for weddings and things. Um, but yeah, you can pretty much walk anywhere. It's quite small. So yeah, yeah. bit of sun as well. <laughs> no, that's a really cool answer. Yeah. yeah. Um, um, if you had to eat a crayon, what colour would you choose? Uh, I'm going to go with blue, just because isn't blue like colouring that normally sends people crazy? <laughs> In foods <laughs> so if i'm if i'm gonna have it i might as well try and get something out of it so i'm assuming yeah, yeah. the, the coloring might give me a little something to go off <laughs> fair enough fair enough um all right we've just got a few final ones there they're less silly um, okay so uh rube do you want to start and then you can ask um if you're desperate to ask uh yes mate one second sorry the uh the <laughs> Fell earlier, and I was like, oh, I had to jump down and get him. Um, so, if you wasn't, so if you um, wasn't, well, you've sort of already explained this. Um, the question is, if you if you wasn't if you were going to be doing modern streets now, what, what would you be doing? But I suppose that's true. It would be the weddings full time. I mean, don't get me wrong. Like, I, I I would I would always still shoot weddings if people asked me. I think even if I was doing the brand as a full time thing, because I do enjoy the day. Um, but I, I think. I, I'm, I've been doing weddings for 10 years from next year. And I just feel like when you hit that 10 year mark, it's sometimes time to just change things up and try and challenge myself to something new. And I do like the building process, but at the same time, if I wasn't doing the brands, 
the stuff I've learned from doing the brands to implement that into weddings, I feel like actually would make that in its own powerhouse even more. Like, okay, cool. because there's a lot of things I've learned from, from building the brand and doing the brands that I've never actually implemented into the wedding side of things. But yeah, like I said, if I was to do that, you know, where, where typically I would book 50 weddings a year and stop, I feel like you could expand beyond and, and really try and grow it into something else. So awesome um what uh, what other brands would you like to see on the pod oh i mean I, I would love for you to get like the big fish mm. like i would love to see someone like mark from bad monday on just to sort of talk about how they started and where they've come from and, and i know there are some some small interviews online where they started off in a garage themselves and his wife was folding things in the kitchen i believe and things like that which is great but i'd love to know that's I've got a few years ago those articles I'd love yeah. to see this the stepping stones from starting off to moving into a unit outgrowing a unit into a bigger unit and taking on you know different members of the yeah. team when at the moment we're all aware that we wear different hats we're doing our own accounting we're doing our own you know where's my order where's this so customer service we're we're printing we're packing we're doing all that stuff ourselves like at what point did he think I need to get someone in like, I need to do this, I need to do that. I'd love to know that journey. And I think, you know, I, I, like I mentioned before, doing the book, This Is Not A T-shirt from Bobby 100, I listened to that twice for that reason because it's hard to find clothing brand people talk about it in depth when they start to build and grow and grow and grow and, yeah. and the sort of hardships and, and sort of joys that come with it. So I'd love someone like that to come on if, they, if, they be, if they'd be willing, especially because it's a UK-based yeah. company as well. Yeah. Right. Rube, yeah. that's your job, Mike. Yeah, I can. Uh, well, you know, you know, you've done stuff for Mark, haven't you? So I guess, yeah. It's... Yeah, yeah. So, so I've, I've, I, uh, I've, I've not got anything. Yet, so. <laughs> I, was, I, I was, I was there. I was at their first unit. Uh, I think probably 14, 15 months after they launched, and there was like seven or eight people floating about. Yeah. Like just, just after a year of launching, like it was insane growth. And then I think uh, maybe a year, maybe just a year after that, like they. Like effectively doubled their space and, and yeah, it's just got yeah. bigger every yeah. ever since. So. Yeah. 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 It'd be cool, it'd be cool to get on. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I think even even the question where we all debated and spoke about the iOS 14 thing, mm. like how has that impacted a company of their size? Yeah. Mm. Because for us, well, you know, it's 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 a ball ache, it is, but it's like you said, if it's not your full-time thing you can sort of persevere where if it is your full-time thing and you've obviously got staff and overheads and a, and a unit that probably costs a fortune mm. then you know where's the impact come from in that side of things that'll be interesting to say here yeah bigger brands especially and even things like brexit and shipping things abroad and all sorts of stuff like the impact it's had on them would be yeah. interesting to know yeah, and, it, and they, they seem like genuine guys on the I noticed the reels and things seem to get more and more playful oh, yeah. which is great to see because I think it does it does sort of make you realize that they are people, you know, pe there are people behind these brands and stuff. And it's, it's great to see that even when they're scaling to the sides that they are, they can still have some fun. So yeah, it's inspiring yeah, to see them guys. Yeah. Yeah. Your question for Diane to ask, Rob. What's the meaning of life? Oh, I think it's just doing things that make you happy, to be honest. Yeah. I, okay. like, life is genuinely too short to just do things you don't enjoy. I, I keep I keep seeing this goddamn guy on my Instagram where it's like holding a sign that says, don't like your job. And he turns it around and it says, quit. 
And it's kind of true, you know, it's, it's, it's a very, it's, he stands out in the middle of like cities holding this sign that just says on one side, don't like your job. And then he spins it around the cage and it says quit. And it's true. And he's just basically trying to reach out to people who are thinking about it. And it's like, well, if you don't like it, find something else. You don't have to just go and quit instantly. Yeah. Proactively <laughs> make change. And I think that's, life is too short to do something you don't enjoy and to not be happy, you know, and that resonates for anything really work status relationship status you know sexual status if people are sort of wanting to come out and feel that they can i think people just need to make do what makes them happy and if, if people aren't on board with that then cut ties because they're not making you happy you know uh-huh. and, and it's, it's not a selfish decision if people are being homophobic or racist then leave them behind you know life's too short exactly. for that, really so yeah exactly. i mean that's the brunt of this small section of it is do what makes you happy, but obviously it resonates for a, a huge conversation. Yeah, that's a podcast in itself. <laughs> it is. It absolutely is. Yeah. Um, I agree. And then lastly, where can people find you? Usual places. Um, more, more active on some than others. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so like, I have the Facebook page. Um, Instagram is probably my, my big one. I, I tend to use Instagram more than any. Um, just modern, if you put in modern streets apparel, you'll find me. Um, I am on TikTok, but I very rarely use it. Kind of struggle over there. Um, I opened a Twitter account and I've never posted. So that's there as well. So don't don't talk to me there. But uh, yeah, my, my, my inbox is always open on my on my Instagram. So I'm always happy to have a good good chat and stuff on that, especially. Wicked. What about your band? Same, really. Yeah. Um, yesteryears. Uh, again, we're on Instagram. We're on Spotify. I think if you just hit the link in the bio on Instagram, it'll take you to all the usual places. So I, Apple Music, Spotify and stuff. So, yeah. Awesome. Um, yeah, it was Wicked having you on on uh, episode one. Yeah, episode one. And social podcast. And uh, yeah. yeah, sure we'll catch you soon. Yeah, man. And uh, yeah, cool. Sweet guys. Enjoy. Yeah, you too. Enjoy your evening, guys. Cool. Take care. Bye, everybody. Sweet guys.